Our reading tonight is from Proverbs chapter 6 and can be found on page 639 of the Church Bibles. So Proverbs chapter 6. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbour, if you have shaken hands in pledge for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, to free yourself, since you have fallen into your neighbour's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbour no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. A troublemaker and a villain, who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet, and motions with his fingers. He plots evil with deceit in his heart. He always stirs up conflict. Therefore, disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart and fasten them round your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace at his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great it is. Jeff, good evening all. Just as we uh, begin this evening, 
I've got a little uh, colour test for you. So just shout out the colour that you see. White. Black. Grey. Great. There you go. Well done. I know. That's it. I'll sit down again. <laughs> Why do that? Well, as some of you picked up on that, there were, there were three colours there, but we had four different shades of grey. Uh, when we talk about black and white things and grey things, um, what we often mean is that there are some things in life that are black and white. It's obvious what the, kind of the, the right and the wrong thing are to do. Uh, and we have an example of that in our passage this evening when we uh, look at the, the second part, verses 20 to 35. You know, do not commit adultery. But also, we, we have some things that are a bit more grey. And, and by grey, I, I don't mean sort of optional or, or kind of we're not sure if they're right or wrong, but, but rather things that we just need to think about a little bit more, things that aren't so uh, obvious. And, and that's particularly what we get in the first part, verses uh, 1 to 15. Uh, and when we come to Proverbs, we need both of those thoughts going in our mind. We, we need to see kind of the, uh, the, the reason uh, for kind of the black and white. This is why you should walk this way. But we also need to do some hard work ourselves and to think, well, what, what does this look like? Because there are so many different ways that, that wisdom can apply itself into our life and into our own lives and their own situations we face. Uh, and this evening, we're going to have uh, both of those uh, going on. So with that in mind, uh, I think we need to pray. So let's pray uh, as we begin. Father, we thank you uh, for your words. We thank you that it is a a light to our feet. Uh, But Lord, we pray that you would help us to know what it means for us to walk in it. Uh, Help us to know what it means for our own lives, our own situations that we each face, uh, to live uh, a wise life to your glory, we pray. Amen. Uh, Let's start with the the black and white one this time. So we're going to start at the end of the passage uh, from verses 20 onwards. Uh, which is headed uh, in uh, the the church Bibles, uh, warning against uh, adultery. But before we get to that bit, just just notice the way it starts in that bit, verses 20 onwards. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Uh, Bind them always on your heart, fasten them around your neck. Uh, When you walk, they will guide you. Uh, When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you are awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way uh, to life. Uh, As we've had before, this is instruction from uh, father and mother uh, coming down to lead to life. It's teaching that that is for their good. Uh, It's teaching that will be uh, helpful uh, for them. Uh, So much so, they're to to bind it to them. Do you see that again? Bind it, fasten them, uh, to keep it near. Uh, Why? Well, because if they do, verse 22, when they walk, it will guide. When you sleep, it will watch over you. Uh, When you're awake, it will speak to you. Uh, Fasten it to you because it will lead you where you should go. It will lead you where you should go. See, this wisdom that we're going to see is not intellectual. It's not like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I understand that. It's a guide to life. It's a guide to to lead us into right paths. 
Uh, and here's why, or here's what it has in view particularly uh, at the moment. Verse 24. Verse 23. If this is command, a lamp, teaching a light, a correction, instruction, the way to life, keeping you from your neighbor's wife, from the smooth talk of a wayward uh, woman. As we said before, uh, here folly uh, personified, folly and wisdom, uh, both personified in the female form. But this is, this is not about what folly is going to say. We're going to hear about that next week in chapter 7. Those are the words that, that will be said. Uh, but here, just, just notice the contrast. The smooth talk of folly versus the, the instruction of wisdom. It's really a competition. Who are you going to listen to? Uh, God's wisdom or folly's words? Which way are you going to go? And we need to hear this because folly doesn't come looking like this. Oh yes, it's poison, I won't do that. Folly doesn't come uh, saying this is uh, awful and bad. Folly comes as something very alluring. It comes as something that wants to draw you in saying, look how lovely this is. Sorry for giving up chocolate for Lent. It draws you in. It, 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 it brings you in. Verse 25. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you uh, with her eyes. Folly looks pleasing. And again, in this particular example of adultery, it's saying that adultery looks good. It looks like the right thing to do. But do not be caught, because it's so costly. It will cost you your very uh, life. Uh, last week, uh, Nick uh, tried to very foolishly uh, build a fire at the front of church, a very silly thing to do. This week, uh, we're going to do it uh, on someone's lap. Well, I mean, I've got, there we go. No, we're not going somewhere. Um, but can you see that, verse 27 and 28? What it says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? I mean, it's, that image alone is just worth pondering on, isn't it? Can you put fire into your lap without being burnt? No. Can you walk on hot coals without burning your feet or being scorched? No. But we need to hear these things, these clear words that are pointing out the reality of what happens because uh, wisdom looks alluring. We need to hear uh, the sense that actually that, that if you do that, it involved, it's like putting fire in your lap, you're gonna get burnt. And there are consequences. Verse 30 to 35 just basically say you'll destroy your life. I mean, verse 32 pretty much sums it up. Uh, but a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. It's saying, look, you, you need to hear this. You, you need to know that that is the destination, destruction. It wrecks your life and those around you. 
Now, in a room this size, it's likely that there may be some who are victims. It's likely that there may even be some who, who, who may have been uh, guilty themselves. And all of those situations will be heartbreaking ones that will show that, that it brings destruction and pain. But I also just want to say for a moment to, to sidestep, to say that, that, that none of that disqualifies you from coming to Jesus. None of those situations disqualify you. Indeed, actually, uh, Jesus says in uh, Matthew 5, uh, you've heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery of her in his heart. Uh, Jesus raises the bar, and, and actually, when we say that, we realize that perhaps all of us are putting fire into our laps, uh, that all of us are actually are in need Now, we need to hear uh, wisdom's call. We need to hear this teaching because it is, we want to be led away from hurt hurt and pain and heartache. But ultimately, I need saving. Ultimately, uh, I need the truly wise one, the Lord Jesus. That's my real need. Yes, I, want to li- I, I must listen to, to wisdom's call. I must uh, repent and turn away from those things. But ultimately, I need uh, the Lord Jesus. And none of these things disqualify us from coming to him. Uh, so the black and white Uh, Do not commit adultery. We need to hear that. We need to hear wisdom's call saying, look, don't go down that path. It's destruction. It will lead to death. We need to have that in view. And to know that now, because then when we're in that situation, it's so much harder. But then in between uh, chapter 5, which you may remember is, is about similar sort of ideas, and this bit at the end of chapter 6, we have this section in the middle, which is a bit grey. And again, uh, by grey, remember, not optional, but just needs a bit more thought. And, uh, and it particularly focuses on those three areas, uh, verses uh, 1 to 5, about finances, 6 to 11, about time, and 12 to 15, about uh, being a troublemaker. And we just need to take a moment to ponder. Uh, Firstly, that sort of finances. Um, It's hard, isn't it? The area of finance is a difficult one. If it was clear and obvious, he would not have a job. But he does. No, uh, finances is hard. And it's not surprising, therefore, that, that, that Proverbs, speaking about wisdom, would sort of speak something about the way that we use money. But what perhaps is surprising is what it says. When you read it, it basically seems to say, well, don't help anyone. If you've kind of got into some sort of obligation to help somebody, get out of it as quickly as possible. There's that urgency of the importance of doing it. But remember, 
it's an, an issue that needs nuance. So here, the, the, the author is not kind of giving nuances. He just wants to get to the point of saying this is an urgent thing that needs attention and point to it. But we need to recognize that, that actually that there is wisdom that needs to be chewed upon. So, for example, you know, who are you helping? Why are you helping? What's it for? What's your situation? What's their situation? Just to chuck out a few questions, there'll be loads more. I can't tell you what the answer to those questions are. But the point is, don't use your finances unthinkingly. Uh, Don't be foolish. Uh, Don't because uh, verse 5 says... If you do, you'll end up in like a bird, from, you'll be end in the hand of a hunter, caught in a trap. See, see finances are that area which we, we need to give thought to, and it's hard. We are called to give. And if you're not giving, then you should. We're called to give sacrificially, even so it hurts. That means giving, we might give up uh, being able to go out for meals, giving up uh, you know, Netflix subscriptions. Uh, giving up stuff in order that other people may benefit, to give so that it hurts. Uh, We're called to care for others, to use the resources that we have for the benefit of other people. But we also need to do that in a way that is wise. It may well be that the Lord is providing providing for you and your future, you, by the salary you're given today. Now, I, that's, not, that's not me saying how to use that. It's not me saying what you give and what you take away. That's for you to do. But all those things are there to be sacrificial in giving, to be caring, to be prudent. Your situations will differ enormously. The Bible is not telling you facts and figures, as in what you must give or percentages. It's trying to say, be wise. Be wise. Whatever resources you've been given, even your pocket money, how are you going to use it? Uh, Secondly, uh, time. Time. Verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggards. Consider its ways and be wise. I wonder if you've ever um, been to a zoo. I think it's London Zoo, but I could be wrong. Uh, Well, they've kind of got, you know, an ant's nest at one side and a bunch of leaves the other side and some big sort of clear tubes. And you just see these ants walking in an absolute clear line from one to the other. It's amazing. You just stare at the ants all day long. Uh, Well, what are we to learn? Well, they have, as it says, verse 7, they have no commander, no overseer ruler. Yet, verse 8, it stores provision in the summer and gathers food at the harvest. They have no one sort of telling them what to do, as it were, but they do the right thing at the right time. They live within the created order. They use their time well. Whereas we, we do have a commander. We have someone over us. But can you see the contrast? Verse 10, 
Or verse 9, sorry, how long you lie there, you sluggard, when you get up from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold in the arms. And then just like the end of verse 5, poverty will come on you like a thief. We need to use our time wisely. And now at university, someone uh, pointed this verse to me and said, look at this. And they said, look, that means you've got to work hard. And they're, they're not entirely right, and they're not entirely wrong. <laughs> See, the ant lives inside the created order. The, the wise life will do the same to fulfill our lives as those who are created beings. So being lazy, it means that we forget that. What do I mean by being lazy? Well, what do you think? I mean, you know, how, what does your, your screen time report tell you about where you spend your time? Uh, what about if you asked your parents about how you spend your time? Or your children? Or your friends? What would they say? Do you ever get to the end of the day and say, I wish I had more hours in the day? But when we say that, sometimes we're actually saying that, that God's made a mistake in the number of hours he's made in a day. You see, being wise is living in that created order. Giving the, 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 the time that we've been given and using those tasks proportionately. So does that mean we should work hard? Yeah, it does. Does it mean we should be working 24-7? No. Because there's other things you've got to do as well. Does it mean that you should be sleeping? Yes, you need to sleep. And that will mean different things for different people at different ages. But should we be sleeping all day because we were up till, I don't know, whatever time watching some bad movie or YouTube or something? Should we go playing with friends? Of course we should. We should. We're meant to be social beings. All the time? You get the picture. It's... There's no one path here to say, this is what you're meant to do, but rather it's saying, Lord, what does it mean for me to live in that created order? Just as an example, as I was pondering this and also thinking about the Parenting Together evening, we've got a week tomorrow, come join us, about habits. So one of the things that I've started to try to do is I turn my phone off at night, which gives me more control. So that I come to a point and say, right, phone off now at this, this particular time. So I won't look at it. I won't get drawn into reading BBC Sport and then that click and the next click and the next click. In the morning, it's, it's far easier to, uh, sorry, it's, it's more easy to pick up my phone if it's on and just sort of unlock it than it is having to turn it on. Scriptures before screens. Just little things. I don't know, that's a tiny little example, but it's just trying to think, how can I use my time better? And lastly, and very briefly, uh, 12 to 50, being a troublemaker. We're not really going to have a chance to look at this much at all, but, but can you see that, that someone who uses their, uh, their, their mouth and their time and their actions to store up trouble? Don't do it. Because what will happen, verse 15... Therefore, disaster will ever take them an instant. He'll suddenly destroy it without remedy. What you do will happen to you. Areas for, for us to, to ponder about finances and time and sort of being a troublemaker. But just as we close, 
We're going to zoom in on those last few verses, right in the middle, 16 to 19, where it says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And when you see a list that sort of says something like, uh, there are six of these and then seven of these, what you can be absolutely sure is there actually aren't six and there actually aren't seven, although there are seven things listed here. It's really that example of, and so on, and so on, and so on. This is not an exhaustive list. It's an example. It could uh, go on. And it's really a a wide-angle lens to say that actually that folly is not just doing the wrong thing, in the same way that wisdom is not actually just doing the right thing, folly is rejecting wisdom. What's the difference? Well, wisdom, chapter 1, verse 7, wisdom begins by the fear of the Lord. So folly is a, a personal rejection of the Lord. Whether it's in a a black and white area like do not commit adultery or or whether it's in a grey area like the way we use our our money or time or being a troublemaker. In either of those situations, it's still saying, not the Lord, I know best. Exactly as Nick was sharing uh, before we said the words of the confession. Because it comes back to this, doesn't it? Chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. But as we come to live this life, as we uh, seek to rely upon and trust in him in all our ways, that he will make our path straight, we pray that actually that we'll be those who will, with all we are, in all things, by prayer and petition, we would seek the Lord. There's no easy way for me to say what that looks like for you. But it means us deliberately choosing to walk the Lord's path. It means coming here on a Sunday to to put ourselves under the Lord's teaching. A brilliant thing to do. It it will mean perhaps opening up our Bible first thing, but but actually trying to do that in a way that that means we we are really listening to it, not just kind of giving passing knowledge to it. It will mean perhaps uh, chatting with Christian friends saying, I don't know what to do. Can you help? Can you share, you know, what do you think is the the godly, wise thing to do here? Being prepared to say that you don't know what to do. They might not know either. (laughs) But even that conversation itself might help. It, It will mean praying, saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. It will mean saying, uh, this, uh, this new job, is it the right thing? This, uh, Lord, I've got this phone that I use. It can do so much good. I can encourage people the other side of the world, even in Brazil, can send them a text message. Keep going. I can also scroll for hours looking at sheep falling into you know, ravines, cats doing silly things. The wise life says, Lord, help me to fear you, to put you first. (laughs) I don't know what that looks like for me tomorrow, but Lord, I will 
put my hand in yours and say, Lord, lead me and guide me, change me. And when I make mistakes, which I will, thank you. You're my God, you love me. You forgive me and you will help me through that to grow into your child. Let's pray. Father, we, we recognize that, that living this life for you is, is so different for each one of us. The families you've placed us in, the schools we go to, the streets we live in, the places we work are not the same. And Lord, we need your wisdom. Yet, Lord, we recognize there are, are big areas, some black and white things. And Lord, we pray you'd help us to see that clearly, to, to walk away from them. But also in the things which are a bit harder, Lord, help us not to not hard, ignore the hard graft of thinking of praying. Lord, help us to walk after you because that is the way to life. That is the way to joy and that is the way to the walk we were always meant to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.